Watch it, jerk. Shut up, idiot. Moron. Scab eater. Butt sniffer. Puss licker. Fart smeller. <laughs> you eat dog crap for breakfast, geek. You mix your weeds with your mama's toe jam. Yeah. You bob for apples in the toilet, and you like it. You play ball like a girl. <laughs> what did you say? You heard me. Tomorrow, noon, at our field. Get the buffalo butt breath. Count on it, pee-drinking crap face. Any kind of sports related, we're, we're the cool crowd now. It's like nerds nerd and, video and gamers, you know. Yeah, nerd culture, that's the... It took over the world. It's crazy. And they were talking about, well, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's get into this. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about The Sandlot. This movie came out in 1993. It was directed by David Mickey Evans. Also written by David Mickey Evans as well. And narrated. Robert Gunter. And it was narrated by David Mickey Evans, and uh, it's based on the life of David Mickey Evans. Yep. yep. So, and you know that. Uh, well, I'll let you get through the intro. Yeah, I was just gonna let me get through this part. Uh, it stars uh, Tom Gurry as Scott Scotty Smalls, uh, Mike Vitar as Benny Benjamin Benny Franklin Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Um, Art Lafleur played the babe, obviously. Uh, Patrick Renna played Hamilton Ham Porter. Chauncey Leopardi played Michael Squints Palato. And that, that dude is also in the Logic music yes, videos correct. we watched. Um, Marty York played Alan Yaya. Or Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then yeah, we had yeah. uh, Brandon Quinton Adams. He played Kenny DeNunez. He's also the kid in uh, Moonwalker, that Michael mm -hmm. Jackson movie. Yeah, he did all the that. awesome Michael Jackson moves. Uh, Grant Gell as Bertram. Uh, we also had Dennis Leary as Bill. Karen Allen as Mom. Uh, Marley Shelton as Wendy. Uh, what's her? Peppercorn. Mm -hmm. And uh, James Earl Jones as Mr. Myrtle. You know, I I forgot about James Earl Jones being in this movie. Because, I mean, it's, it's been a while since I've seen it. And I forgot about him being in this movie. And I also forgot about Dennis, Dennis Leary. Leary. I did forget about Dennis Leary being in this movie. I think as soon I keep as... I want to call him O'Leary because, you know, he's... Dennis O'Leary. Big, big time, you know, he's Irish. Irish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, um, I, I couldn't remember. I could have sworn it was a different older older uh gentleman gentleman or whatever as as the grumpy old guy but i guess that makes sense and we find out it's because of squints that they think that way about him and yeah. he's actually not that bad of and a for the life of me i could have sworn it was richard dreyfus who played the older version of um um what's the, the kid's name scotty small oh, yeah yeah uh I thought it was Richard Dreyfuss, but, you know, obviously I'm thinking of Stand By Me because I know yeah. there was narration in this movie. 
uh, you know, this movie being a lot like a Christmas story. It's a coming of age story mm-hmm. that's being narrated by the older version of the main character you're following. So is it is it is a true story? Yeah, it's based on uh, based on some stuff that um, the writer director had to deal with in his childhood. Um, yeah, with this. So I don't know if it's completely accurate with the Babe Ruth ball and the stepfather and all that kind of stuff, but. A lot of it came from his childhood experiences playing baseball and, and, and that kind of stiff. Stiff. Um, this movie was actually filmed in our stomping grounds in Utah. Really? It was filmed in Salt Lake City and it was filmed in Ogden. Uh, the main, I did not know that. The main filming location. I think I did hear about that, actually. Yeah, probably from maybe Ashley or something. But um, the main filming locations is Midvale, Salt Lake City, and Ogden. But they all are supposed to be a 1960s version of California, right? And and but you saw those mountains, right? Yeah. As soon as I saw those mountains, I was like, "Those look like Utah mountains." Yeah. And I had to go look up, and sure enough, yeah, the, like the pool, the pool scene that was in Ogden, which is funny about that because it was like 50 degrees that day. Yeah. So like, and it was hot all Well, cold, the, the water was, was 50. Yeah, degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody was like freezing their butt off, and and it, they're supposed to act like it was like hot but you could see in some of these kids especially with no meat on their bones kind of thing yeah they were shivering in that pool you know you remember um gramercy avenue in ogden Mm -hmm. right yeah that's where the pool is Mm. it's it's on gramercy avenue gotcha so i thought that was pretty interesting and then most of the other stuff like you know um benny and and small's houses they were uh in salt lake city and everything so yeah Pretty cool stuff. Uh, do you remember watching this for the first time? Yes. But back then, I felt a lot more akin. Not not the time period, but as young as the kids were is when I watched the movie, I feel like. When, what year did this come out? In? 93. And so you would have been about 14. 12. Because I was 11 in 90. You're 10 and 81, or 10 and 91. Yeah. And you would have been 12, or 12 in 93. Okay. So you were 12. You were yeah. you were these kids' age. Yeah. So yeah. these were all 12 year olds. When I first watched this, I felt more in, in common with it. You know what I mean? Not the time period, but I grew up <clears throat> loving sports. Right. And I, to this day, I still love sports. Not a huge baseball fan anymore. Um, I like football. But you have all kinds of baseball cards. Oh, I do. I do. I, I, I used to love baseball. I'm I'm diehard uh, Mets fan. Yeah. Always have been. Always will be. You have cards from back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, yeah. I remember. Yeah. I mean, I, I have tons of baseball cards. I grew up loving baseball. You know what I mean? And then I got introduced football, to football. football. <laughs> and, and then ba- that's... And basketball. And basketball, yeah. And that's when, you know, like, I love to it watch... It does seem like you start off as a kid, if you're a sports person, mm-hmm. you start off as the kid, baseball. That's the main kid yeah. sport, you know, and everything. Yeah. And then you either diverge from that and you become a football slash basketball star or it's baseball all the way and, you know, yeah. you have season tickets to your well, favorite team or whatever. Funny enough... My first sport playing, you know, organized like that was soccer. You know, mom put me in soccer. Yeah, me too. I was on the orange team, much like Jim. Yeah. Yeah, I I just remember because we were all neon colors. I just remember orange and whenever Jim on the office said I was on the orange team, I was like, I was on the orange team too. Yeah, yeah. But I just remember playing soccer. I believe Steven was there too, and he was playing soccer too at the same time. 
and he I just always remember playing soccer first then playing baseball and I was always I was always a big guy so I was always playing you know like big guy positions like catcher you know where where not a lot of running involved I was in the outfield when I played yeah I know well they they did that on purpose I put the glove I would put the glove over my face and I could see little I could see little you know I could see through the little holes when this was in my face no I remember and I would try to look look at things through the little holes and then suddenly they'd be calling my name and then I'd look around and I'm like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> the ball's been hit my yeah. way. And then once I threw it back, I took my glove and I just started throwing it up in the air. And you were one of those few air. kids that weren't a huge fan of sports <laughs> in general, but but uh, especially now, like you can't stand sports. I, I know that you can't stand sports. I bet you couldn't even name uh, one, one player that's playing right now professionally for football. Uh, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Okay, okay, yeah, but that's kind of Hollywood. Burger, or did he retire? He retired. Damn it. <laughs> uh, Ray Lewis, he's a good defensive. He retired. Damn it. He retired uh, uh, a while ago, so. Um, yeah, you're right. I probably <laughs> Those are all the Hollywood stars that like they talk about on Facebook Shut and Hollywood it. stuff. So. And I, I couldn't even say Tom Brady because I know that he retired, too. No, he came back, actually. He came out of retirement within a couple months of actually going into retirement. So that's the point that I wanted to make is that this is you. Mm-hmm. This is your childhood type of movie. Yeah. You loved, whether it's um, The Little Giants or yeah. The Sandlot or... A league of their own, or yeah. angels in the outfields, you know, stuff yeah. like that. What's the one where where the guy from uh, he was on uh, American Pie? Uh, he, his arm, he got an accident. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the it's not angels in the outfield. It's um, that one that I just said. Or did I say a league of their own? League of their own. Oh uh, no, this is. Um, I know who you're talking about. You know, where he breaks his arm or something, and yeah. then when it gets repaired, he's it's like a slingshot. And yeah. He throws like 180 Yeah, what the hell is that hour. called? <laughs> That's, uh, I'm not going to look it up. I'm, it's I'm pretty sure it's a angry. Disney movie. No, it is. It's called uh, Rookie, uh, rookie, rookie of the, of the Year. year. Is yeah. it Rookie of the Year? Yeah. yeah I think yeah. it was Rookie something. But I love those movies. And Mighty Ducks were some of my favorite movies. Exactly. To this so day, they're you. still one of my favorite. I love sports movies. Right. So that's you. Me, I was the Goonies. I was like, I don't want to play sports. I just want to go and play pretend or yeah. have fun with my friends, yeah. that type of thing. So yeah. so these movies I could see clicking with you. I, I liked a lot of them when I was younger, but you like them because, you know, usually they have the epic win at the end. But this didn't yeah. have that. Yeah, I, 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 this movie didn't have that. This movie didn't have what I, it usually has, and that's what makes this movie so unique. Is that there's always like a driving thing, right? As you got that final game, that the game that they played against those other punks in their in their little uh, little league get uh-huh. up and everything. Yeah. That should have been at the end of the movie with this epic win, but it was just like a nonchalant in the middle of the movie, mm. kick their ass type of thing, real quick. Their big, their big thing at the end was facing the dog. No, the epic, the epicness of the movie reached reaches climax. It, it got close with the dog, but it reaches climax when Benny is an adult. Hit that home, you know. Hit that. I think it hit the homer at the end, you know, uh, as an adult. And the first thing he really does is look to his buddy. 
well, his childhood friend and puts his thumb up. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's the epic climax. I mean, of the that's movie. a great moment. But I'm just saying, at most sports movies, you have that final game where you're not doing too well, and then you come back a little bit, and then you're not doing too well, and then you come back and you win it. Whether it's the Bobby Boucher thing in the Water Boy or mm-hmm. whatever, Ricky Bobby. But yeah, I mean, this movie has been known for that, be it, for being that one movie that didn't make. I think even Ebert said it. Um, it's a one movie where it, it it wasn't about winning. Yeah, the movie is not about winning a sports game or whatever, or winning that epic sports game and everything. So yes, well, I, there's I, there's that epic moment at the end where he's grown up and they're both grown up. But I'm just saying there's no like final thing that they've been dealing with all movie where it's like a final game or whatever. You know, all sports movies has that final game basically. But this is a true coming of age story told through the lens of the love of baseball. Right. Well, whether it be, I, I see what you're getting with that, that because you know it doesn't matter what sport. You know what I mean? What what sport it is, it you always have you always want the same climax. You always want the same, and, and that's why I think with you know putting his thumb up, it just came to the realization that you know that kid had a friend who, you know, how, no matter how popular, how famous, how great at baseball he was, that his friend made the effort to include him, like he did, you know, when they were kids, but at the end of the game, you know, at, at the end of this game and where he hit the home run or whatever, you know, when they're adults, he looks at him and that's just basically like, you know, him saying, Hey, you know, you're my friend. You've been there since the beginning. I want to share. I'm glad I get to share this moment with well, you. There's a theory about why these two stuck together and why they became the famous baseball people, one a player and one an announcer. Right. So we'll get into that. But yeah, David Mickey Evans took this. Uh, I, I feel like this is solely the world of adolescence, right? You know, it's a type of movie that doesn't have direction or drive because, you know, it focuses on times, you know, without parents around. Right. 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 And how un, unstructured and unordered that can be. Like I said, there's no there's no real adults around. So there's no real driving force. It's just right. kind of a chaotic movie because that's how it really is with kids. You know, we 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 shift from one thing to another because we lose mm-hmm. focus easily and stuff. So there's really no plot purpose until the last third of the movie. There's all the threats you have in the establishing characters and just kids being kids. But it's not until the last third of the movie that they finally have like their real mission, and that's to get the ball back. And I gotta say, dog. and I gotta say, you know, for you, what what do you, you know, for me as a kid, what I used to think of as a kid, you know, summertime, it was getting together with friends, usually playing with toys, you know, of action figures or sports, you know, when I was a kid. And that's what my idea of summer was going to the pool. You know, they, they hit all the right things, you know, 4th of July, you know, everything else like that throughout this whole movie. I, I feel like this is one of the ultimate summer movies. Yeah. It's back to a time when, you know, summer would turn magical, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like nowadays it's like, okay, well you got to plan your summer vacations as, as quick as you can. Cause it's going to be so packed in these theme mm-hmm. parks and plane trips and getting on the road and doing this and every time you go to any kind of water park or trampoline park or anything nowadays it's like the whole place is packed and you can barely even have fun and you're waiting half an hour just to do one thing that takes two minutes Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. 
this is back to a time when summer would turn magical. You know, like like the clocks would slow. Mm-hmm. There's a, a romantic longing for a girl that mm-hmm. you know you have all summer, and you're trying to figure out how to talk to that person, a la my girl or yeah. something. Yeah. You know, uh, moments of heroism to a child. You know, as far as you know, uh, Benny doing what he did, batting that ball into that kid's thing, and Benny running into the backyard and being chased by that dog. You know. Yeah. You know, and never-ending games. Games yeah. that would just continue. They probably didn't even finish a game. It's like, oh, we'll pick it up again tomorrow if we find a ball. You know. Yeah, I think I think it's very very telling to you know this time of life for the you know this this age that these kids were. It, it's it's the molding ages. That's the way I look at it. Coming you know, of age. It's the coming of age. It's it's basically at this age, kids seem to really mold into the person they're going to be as an adult in a way. You know what I mean? Because like you know before that age. You know, you, you might have, you know, sleepovers and stuff like that and, and, and get-togethers and birthday parties, but, you know, it's not like spending days upon days with your friends like they do here, you yeah. know? And, and, and on top of that, nowadays, you can't do that. You know, you can't let your kids just go out and roam the neighborhoods anymore. Well, what would you say the antagonist of this movie is? Um... The antagonist of this movie... I don't think it's any... I think it's the Sandlot in a way, you know, because, you know, it, it's it's their their pinnacle of their summer and their togetherness is that, that baseball field. And it, it just seems to always throw them for a loop, whether or not it be a busted baseball, uh, another team coming in to compete on their field rather than this one the dog that's part of this field in a sense you know um the mystery and the story behind the dog the the clubhouse is even on this field you know i i feel like the the antagonist well that's a good and, location and, and, and i know but i i feel like in uh the a location could be an antagonist in a way i just know? i was going to piggyback on what you were just saying before and and i think the antagonist of this movie is coming of age yeah it's, okay, yeah, I get that. It's the coming of age. And, and I want to get into that more because I, I've written a whole thing about what this movie means and what the coming of age and as being the antagonist in this movie means. Mm-hmm. Um, going through it real quick, uh, basically this movie is about, you know, in the summer of, uh, of the 60s, uh, a shy fifth grader named Scott Smalls moved to, uh, moves to a Los Angeles suburb. Um, he tries to join a group of boys that play uh, baseball. You know, his mom wants him to make friends and stuff. And so yeah. he, he, he finds these kids that are playing baseball at a local sandlot. But he's really embarrassed because he can't play very well. Um, he asks his, his stepdad because his dad, his real dad passed away when he when he was younger. But, yeah, so basically they're playing this little thing of catch. And you get a sense that the stepfather played by uh, his name is Bill, but he's played by Dennis Leary in this that he might not be a nice guy but you don't get it fully i think in the casting of dennis leary you're already already kind of put back on your heels like okay is this kind of be guy going to be a jerk or whatever yeah. usually dennis leary is some kind of a jerk right and everything but sometimes a lot of times he's a, real he's, jerk. he's just a nice he's a lovable jerk he's a lovable jerk i right. think more times than not you know there's that one where he was uh came in to kidnap that couple what was the name of it uh yeah, it's yeah. about I had uh, the dude that's divorce. Like, yeah, that's lawyer, not very person. good right now. Yeah, called, I think it was called the babysitter or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, the but, house sitter. Or yeah, whatever. the sitter. I think the it, sitter. Yeah. Well, so, okay, now I'm you gonna look, to look it up. It. But anyways, like you know, my relationship. You know, the way I looked at that relationship between his dad and his son, it it. At first, I was like, uh, you know, you can't really trust Dennis O'Leary. But when he said that 
his his father when it was said that his father gave him that baseball right then and there i knew he was a good guy yeah but it was said whenever he wasn't there it was the mom who said it if you remember she said uh, his father gave it to him maybe one, one day he'll give it to you right and then i was kind of like well you know it just made me a little nervous like because we knew something was going to happen with this ball right? Well, right right but that's when i knew that he dennis leary's character wasn't that bad he he was a little he, you could tell like he had never the ref the ref that's it that's it yeah he, he never really raised children before like this is obviously his first and only time i guess you you get the sense at the beginning at least that he either doesn't want to be a father you know he loves the wife he, yeah. you don't see any problems there yeah. he's not like he's an abusive person uh, but he loves he just doesn't seem to be interested in being a father yeah and it seems like that maybe changes a bit, which is something that I'm going to mention as we go on. But yeah, he, uh, it, it, you kind of get the sense of unease at first because you're like, at okay, first, this, yeah. this guy has no patience. Well, and he blew he's him being, off about playing being, catch at first. Yeah, he's he was being just bothered like, yeah. in his little trophy room as he's trying to set it up and everything. Yeah. But then you see that ball. Yeah, but he, you could tell that he, he longed for having that father figure. The kid? Like, no, Dennis Leary's care Bill did. He felt like, you know, like he missed his dad. Like you could tell he missed his dad because that whole trophy room seemed to be some sort of uh, idolization of his dad. You know, was, uh, obviously his dad is the one that really kind of introduced him to baseball. Yeah. And so, you know, in his right, I think, you know, when he got married, he knew that she had a son. You know, she he knew that he would have to some sort be some sort of... Um, father figure to maybe him. he was unsure because he didn't get to raise his kid mm-hmm. from like mm-hmm. young age or whatever but 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 you know baseball was it, it's all it's a key factor in the in the entire movie you <laughs> of know of course like, they use baseball to speak to the audience yes. about the coming of age Correct. but but yeah baseball is like the with goonies it's a treasure hunt mm-hmm. you know with mm-hmm. with sand lot it's it's uh baseball or whatever but yeah. Um, so, anyways, they, they they try to play, but you know he throw the ball to to Smalls, and Smalls instead of throwing it back, first of all he didn't catch the ball. Instead of throwing it back, he'd walk it back and just kind of hand it to him. Yeah. So it basically got to the point where he's like, "All right, I'm going to throw it. Keep your eye on the ball." And I, I think there's a little bit of on purposeness that he threw it at the, the kid's face because he thought that, that that he would actually it would make him catch it and and not be scared of the uh, of the ball in a way right, because, because you, you know once you get hit, at least hit so it doesn't hit your face yeah because you know but he didn't until think you get hit with the ball bad. yeah well until you get hit by the ball you don't really you're still scared of the ball like in a like, way like once you get mike, hit by the wait, ball what does mike tyson say he's like everybody's a everybody's uh, a, fighter a big until, man until you until get punched, you get punched in, the in, the no, no, in the nose in the I'm nose i'm pretty sure it's the mouth i'll bet you a million dollars look it up all right but it's punched in the nose because if you notice if you've ever been punched in the nose which you punched me in the nose several times but it, it disorients you right at first you know what i mean so when 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 you get hit in the nose in your mouth you're not so much disoriented you can get your jaw broken but with the nose it, it disorients you because it disorients your vision and and it's hitting one of your senses directly you know what i mean like your nose and 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 your eyes too in a way but it, it's very disorienting when Mike Tyson was asked by a reporter whether he was worried about Evander Holyfield and his fight plan, uh, Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Is the mouth? Yeah. That's the, that's the quote here. So, But, I mean, it's true. Whether it's your nose or your mouth, when you get punched in the face, you know, yeah. everything goes out the window or whatever. But, yeah, so, anyways, he, get, he ends up getting hit in the face with that ball, um, and he, he gets a black eye from it. But... Um, 
because he did so bad on the field the previous day, right? Yeah. Benny is such an awesome kid that he decides, you know, okay, well, let's invite this kid. Like, you don't see that much nowadays, yeah. right? Yeah. So, anyways, he, he gets invited by Benny to go yeah. to go play uh, pickup. Well, he game just shows up there originally. Yeah, in the first place. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He he goes there first. They make fun of him. and He goes home. That's when he gets the black eye. And then Benny comes by and he's like, "Hey, you want to come play?" And he's got yeah. this black eye for the rest of the movie. So uh, they go there, and um, you know he's t- trying to teach him. Okay, you know they they hit the ball, and he almost kind of gets knocked down. And he's like. He's like, okay, you know, teaches him how to, 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 he's like, can you throw the ball back? And, um, I think the kid is small. So he even walks it back to the pitcher uh-huh. and, uh, they're like, well, look, he, you know, he even teaches him. Okay. You ever have a paper out? I helped the guy once. Okay. Well, chuck it like you would throw a paper. When your arm gets here, just let go. Just let go. It's that easy. How do I catch it? Just stand there and stick your glove out in the air. I'll take care of it. <laughs> and Benny just like because he's like uh, you know some kind of like uh, amazing, just natural, impressive guy, natural athlete. He's like yeah. just put your glove out and I'll yeah. do the rest. And I thought and that was always like the coolest line when I was a kid. The way he's like just put your glove up like this and I'll do the rest. You know, and and so he just put his glove up and uh, and and Benny. Knock it right straight into his glove. That's well, a good aim. But if you look at Benny too, though, Benny was kind of surprised that he did that. Was he? I didn't because he, he looked like it. Yeah, if you look, because he was just like, yes, you know, like not not expecting to do it, but hoping like to God that he ends up doing it. Maybe, but I think the the point of it is it's not like he was going to do that every time, and it, obviously that doesn't work for smalls. It can't just be like, all right, this will come straight to your glove every time, but. Benny saw that Smalls just needed confidence mm-hmm. and that he was just scared and he needed confidence. So if he's able to at least once hit it straight into his glove, then from then on, uh, uh, Smalls will actually try to start catching it. He won't be afraid of it anymore. He'll keep his eye on the ball because he's caught it once now, and now he knows how to catch it. Well, and even then, you know, too, it was it was kind of a way for them to, ex- you know, the rest of them to accept him, you know, to, to accept Smalls and – it was kind of a way to get the group to accept him. I mean, they needed a ninth man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was. It wasn't like, you know, it, it wasn't like they couldn't have used him. You know what I mean? But they just were like they, they weren't the cool group. No. They were just the baseball they were players, like kind of the outcast. Yeah, they were that kind of the outcast. So to be, I guess I think it that's wasn't why really outcast back then. But you know, no. it was more yeah. like. Yeah, they're they're not the ones that conform. Yeah, like the the baseball players that came in right, trying to play league. the league, little leaguers and everything. Yeah, they they were, you know, quote unquote the the cool crowd, you know. And so I think in a way, you know, for Smalls, he had to be part of it because, you know, it'd be like being not cool enough for the not cool crowd. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. and he, he'd be lonely, and you know, we know how it's like to move into a town and not grow up with the same people our entire lives yeah. you know it's where every two to four years yeah, you have yeah to move. exactly every couple of years you're moving away and so you know any friends you may have made in that time you've got to start all over again which made us pretty uh pretty pretty much experts when it came to making Shout friends out in a way. to our fellow military brats out yep there. <laughs> um so anyways basically they accept him and it was yeah. it's really weird because they are all against and all make fun of him once mm-hmm. benny 
he catches one ball and he throws one ball and suddenly they're like oh okay he's, he could play he's got skills well and yet he still knows nothing about baseball like he doesn't even know who Babe Ruth is well yeah and that kid <laughs> up that, until the end of the movie yeah and that kid actually he knew how to play baseball pretty well but he had to pretend like he yeah. didn't know how to play but yeah, yeah so, well you could tell when he when he threw that first ball you're like okay even my two-year-old can launch it across the living room like I've seen him launch things across the living room it's it's almost like a natural reaction him when he he was trying to pretend to not throw it good uh the actor it was such a horrible job because it was just like ugh. he even made the noise and i'm sitting there like okay that's not even a very good acting job on that one in particular yeah and then just like you were mentioning before uh they mentioned the sultan of swat the yes. king of crash the sultan of swat the king of crash. The colossus of clout. The colossus of clout. Babe Ruth. The great Bambino. <laughs> and of course, you know, uh, Smalls doesn't want to, you know, appear like, like he doesn't know. The great know Bambino. What he's oh, okay. About. Yeah, I know who that is. And this is after he's seen an autographed ball in his um, in his stepdad's office that says Babe Ruth. So, but um, they don't actually. Me- if you notice, they don't mention his name. Babe no, Bruce's they never name. say Babe Ruth. So, so he he's never able to put it two and two together yeah. until they literally find out but that he knows on. nothing about you it. You want us to tell me that the stepdad has been around and you know Babe Ruth? Now I know this is the '60s and Babe Ruth is in the '30s and everything, but I think that his having a stepdad who liked baseball that much, he probably would have talked about Babe Ruth by then. But yeah. maybe just by Babe Ruth, I don't know. Well, then but. you find out like Benny's like talking to imaginary, not imaginary characters, well, he had but a dream. like. Yeah, but I mean, it I don't, happened I more than once, didn't no, it? No, it's just well. You notice that you notice whose card he picked up and asked if he could have. Uh, no, Hank Aaron's card. Oh, okay. Okay. Hank Aaron's the one that beat his record, his home that was run in record. The old man's, yes, house, right? okay, yeah, yeah. Where he asked if he could have the the Hank Aaron card, and that that's because well, Babe Ruth picked it up. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, so basically, um, after they're done with all that, uh, and 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 Smalls is kind of like accepted. Um, you know, we meet the rest of them like Squints and Ham and uh, uh, who is who's the dude that just disappeared one day? I can't remember. Yeah, the tall, lanky guy. Like, I've seen him on movies before. I just couldn't put my finger on on uh, where I had seen him before because I just couldn't remember his name. Uh, but it's Bertram. Bertram is, is the guy I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, Squints. Uh Kenny, all these people. Yeah, because, I mean, to be honest with you, the only person that I've seen on this, I mean, besides the adult actors, right? But every, but every one of the other kid actors, I mean, like Patrick uh, Renna, I've seen him, like on TikTok, he's having this this uh, new new surge of popularity well, yeah, on TikTok. he still has stuff. his Sandlot um, right. shot as his profile picture. But in, in all reality, like uh, Brandon Quinton, Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny, yeah. who played Kenny, he Kenny's he was on uh, uh, Mighty Ducks too. Yep, and Moonwalker, and and uh, so he he did. I mean, really, besides the the adult actors, I don't really think any of the other ones did anything. 
No, no. I mean, in, in Hollywood, I mean, as far as movies beyond that, I mean, really, you and know, Mike, who played Benny, he 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 didn't even come for their reunion. There, they had a twenty-five year reunion. To by the way, next year is their thirty year the thirty year reunion for the Sandlot. It's been thirty years. That's insane, or whatever. But uh, in two thousand eighteen, they had a twenty-five year reunion, and Mike, who played Benny, didn't come back for it. they. Uh, he's still around. They you know they even called him out and was like, "You got to come back, Mike," and everything. But you know, maybe he's just doing his own thing or whatever. But it's funny because the guy who played Benny, young Benny, is actually the brother of the guy who played yeah. the older yeah. Benny. And, you know, it's Mike mm-hmm. Vitar and Pablo Vitar. Um, but basically, after he's accepted, uh, Ham gets pissed about something and he ends up hitting a homer and uh, hits it right into this yard. Uh, it's an adjacent backyard from the uh, from the field and everything. So Small's like, all right, I'll get it. And he gets up on the, uh, he gets up on the fence. He starts climbing. They all, like, haul butt to him. And uh, they're like, you know, you can't go over there to look through the, the the little hole there. And, you know, they tell him about this monster. It's a giant gorilla dog thing is what they call it. And I'm sorry that dog could have, uh, as big as it was, could have got through that little hole and pushed that hole out a little bit more. Maybe. It was, it kept on looking as far through. as the strength that it showed it had, it, it, yeah. I'm sure it could have taken down that fence a long time ago. I mean, it jumped over the fence. So, anyways, um, they 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 told this. They tell the story about how the owner, Mister Myrtle, um, got sick of people stealing robbers and stuff Mm -hmm. stealing from his junkyard. So he got this dog, and it actually ended up eating a kid. And so that whole story it it brought me back to a Christmas story. Oh yeah, you you know the, the way that they filmed it and the way that they portrayed the what the author was trying to detail how, how he's trying to detail the robbery and and you know bringing in the puppy and everything i mean they were even dressed up as robbers like remember christmas story where they were dressed up as a robber yeah robbers trying to come in in there oh he, yeah. no <laughs> but it was very it brought me back to that i was just like holy crap that's exactly the same yeah know? so it's it's basically it's just explained that this you know this dog has eaten kids before and so in punishment they had they made the dog the owner chain it up in the yard because that's what you do when it kills kids you don't put the yeah, dog down or right anything, and what so. if we learn kiddos not to believe anything squints tells you right so all these kids are all like trying to figure out what to do but they're done with the baseball because they've hit the ball over there and now it's too hot and they they want to be done with it of course, Benny's never like that. It's like baseball all the time. He just lives and baseball. They made a point to to point that out too. They made a point to make a point. Make a point. Um, but they pointed that out during the Fourth of July when they were talking about how all the other kids would sit there and when this fireworks go off and it showed it actually before um, after they had told the story about it. But you know, or kind of during. But anyways, saying when the the fireworks and stuff were going off all the other kids were staring and bewildered by the the fireworks where benny would have to keep pulling them back to start to continue to play the game because they play this game every fourth of july and so well you know, that why, fireworks why, takes place after what i was getting into oh okay no i was just i was putting it how because they were so hot and they knocked yeah. the ball over they were like let's go cool down at the pool yeah so okay. before before they do the the Fourth of July, actually go ahead and finish what you're. Well, saying I was just saying saying how how it was very interesting because you know we we were saying how Benny was baseball all the time, right? And they noticed that during the fireworks, yeah. they tried to play the night game, and then mm-hmm. everybody else got distracted by the fireworks, except and, for Benny, except for Benny, yeah. who was running the bases and everything. Yeah, and, you know he he doesn't he's 
there the the entire sky is exploding. I mean, it's yeah. not like fireworks nowadays where it all it's all contained to one city and you have to far, watch very far away because people are worried about fires. Back yeah. then, it was just like everybody was launching yeah. fireworks and stuff. Exactly. So there's just fireworks all in the sky. They're playing, and when the ball got hit, they all got distracted and just kept looking and let the ball just go. And Benny's not only one not looking up at the sky, just running around and mm-hmm. and squint or Smalls, you know, kind of observes that and makes makes a conscious uh, comment about baseball was his mm-hmm. life. So, but before that happened, is one of the most probably most popular uh, scenes of the movie. It's when the kids try to go to the pool to cool down. We all went because, well, because Wendy Peppercorn was the lifeguard everybody all, all the kids love wendy peppercorn but nobody loves wendy peppercorn more than squints right and uh he's he's been in love with her forever and you know we've seen her a couple times in this movie or at least once walking down the street and she, you know we always see squints is the one that's staring at her right but then it shows her she's staring at him as well she's like it's like for a good time like she'll look back and keep staring and be smiling at him it was very weird it because was. she was like three or four years older than him. She had to have at least been 15. I mean, it looked like guy. she was more like 10 years older than him, but Well, yes, yeah, she was 18 when they filmed yeah. this, and the kids were all like 12 or whatever. But yeah. in the movie, say she's 15 to be a lifeguard at least. They're yeah. 12. It's only a few years older, but it was just really weird yeah, because she had to have been in high school while these kids were just going into middle school. Right. So it was a little weird that she was staring at well, him. Well, they were in the much. fifth grade. But then you could always see that, that this is... I thought they were going, uh, they were done with fifth grade and they were going, yeah, because they were 12, they were going into middle school. Okay. So, and I think that what I saw this as is that her staring and smiling at him may have just been through his lens, like he, he maybe, maybe just thinks that she's doing that. Well, I don't know. After the pool incident, you could tell that she really was, well, because look. she wasn't like winking at him, but she was just kind of smiling Just spoil him. it. They did say that eventually he ended up marrying her, yes, and they had yes. nine kids. So yes, but the director there was something did, there. The director did talk to the actor that played Squints and said, one thing, one rule, keep your tongue in your mouth. He did. And did you know that the, uh, the real life person that squints was based on tried to uh tried to get the movie tried to sue him and do all this really yeah because he didn't like how he was portrayed in the movie i mean i don't think there was anything wrong with the guy that played squints maybe not what did he grow up to be uh again they own that they own that uh pharmacy that's right that's right that's right they took over or whatever but um so anyways what happens is and this would definitely not happen in a movie nowadays um he uh he goes and is like, I'm going to get her attack. He's like, I can't. And basically, he the equivalent of, I'm, I've just gotten too horny now. I can't handle it anymore. I have to do something. He even said that. He's yeah. like, I can't handle it anymore, guys. <laughs> He's kidding. They were like having no clue what he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, they were kind of like, like, look, dude, she's hot and everything, but what are you talking but about? Even like, then, he's like getting obsessive. But even then, like, it was like. It was all in his, a lot of that monologue. It was probably going on just in his head. Probably. So, so when he looks at them and says, "Oh, I just can't handle it anymore," they might not. All of them might not actually know what he's talking about. Yeah. Maybe there might be a couple, of, but for the most part, I think they don't have any clue where he's getting at with this. Yeah, and statement. It, and I think it probably would have been le- better to leave it as maybe they didn't get married in the future or whatever, because then it could have been part of that. That same thing where you know what were we t- what was the other movie that we were talking about uh, where we think when we were younger we think something is fate 
and it's just a, happens to be a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, can't hardly wait episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everything as a teenager, you think that you know, if you're in love with some girl there or whatever, or mm-hmm. some guy, you know, everything is co- everything is fate or yeah. whatever. But it's really just coincidence. You're just you know, you got all that gunk in your head. And yeah. But. Well, and I think a lot of people, that's where you get serial killers from and, and, oh, and, and psychopaths in the sense that, you know, they can't define, they can't determine the difference between real life and fantasy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, so that's, I mean, it also is probably telling you when a movie is really that good, when it's very hard to kind of, when you re- recollect, you know, I swear this is true, but no, it was just said something on a movie right. that you took in and brought it into real life in some sort of fashion, you know? And it's like, no, that wasn't real. That was fantasy. I think that's where you get the crazy nut nutballs at is when they can't tell the difference between the fantasy. And that's kind of like where, where I think Squint's at, because I think he's in his whole... His whole other own movie inside this movie. Could in a be way. kind of like that you know? guy in disturbing behavior. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, we uh, so the, the the scene here is is he's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to kiss this girl without her permission. Yeah. So that's why I said that this wouldn't be allowed nowadays yeah. in movies or whatever. But um, he he doesn't he does he can't swim. So it'd be one thing if he went and did this and he he could swim, but he was just faking it. But this dude was willing to risk his life to make out with this girl. I mean, yeah. it said, it, uh, even the kids were like, he can't swim. So he goes to the, the diving board, jumps into the deep end, fakes drowning. She pulls him out and does mouth-to-mouth resuscita- uh, resuscitation. And, you know, he kind of smiles in between her doing that. And when she comes back for the last time, he grabs her by the back of the head and literally starts, yeah. like, trying to make out with her. And this is probably why the director's like, no tongue or whatever but you know yeah. she then she calls him a pervert she kicks him out she actually drags him out of there and they're banned from it but as he's walking away there's like a little a monologue voiceover by the main character and you see squints looking at the lifeguard she kind of lowers her her sunglasses after they've been kicked out and she kind of just smiles and, and shakes her head at him and then later on you find out yeah they ended up getting married having nine kids and taking over the drugstore yeah uh, so after that is the fireworks scene that we talked about. Um, and then they are also challenged by a local little league, uh, little league team when they come up on their bikes and they start going back and forth with the Sandlot crew. Um, you had Ham say, You play ball like a girl! And that was like the huge that insult. That was a tipping point there. That was the insult that you yeah. don't say to other baseball players. His masculinity was so uh-huh. intense back then and everything. So um, they decide to have a little game. And this is like I, what I said that this in a typical movie, you would see them challenging, Okay, yeah, we'll get you next week. And that would be the last game of the yeah. movie that they'd end up playing yeah, against yeah. these people. Well, they started the game the next day. And they beat them handily. Yeah. I mean, first of all, uh, you have <laughs> you have Ham just talking trash to all the people coming up to yeah. bat, just messing with them. And all of them, when they come up to bat, the Sandlot crew, even, even Smalls, yeah. you know, they're all getting great hits out of it. And they beat the crap out of them. So they, they're, they're so happy that they... But I mean, they, you know, here's the thing. Sandlot, that crew does this every day. That baseball team probably, they have practices. They probably play a lot more often than not. But, you know, they're not like the Sandlot crew. We're literally playing every single day. And I also know? see it as Benny challenging the Sandlot crew. And so they're used to playing with somebody like Benny. Yeah. They're really good. They have to be good or else they can't play with Benny, right, you know. Right, so right. obviously, 
he's going to be the best yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially guarantee he's probably the only one out of that town that be, went professional, you know? Yeah. So they, all, they even acknowledge it, too. You know, the, the, the Little League team, they acknowledge yeah, that like, nobody's good here except for Rodriguez. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because they know better. So basically, to celebrate that, they go to the fair and uh, good old Bertram. Which which starts out what eventually happens to him when he's older, which is hilarious. I mean, it's kind of actually creepy, but hilarious at the same time. But um, Bertram uh, found some tobacco, and so he he gave that around. And I think the tobacco, what was the tobacco? It was like licorice with like and jerky pieces of bacon on it. Well, it said it, said it was uh, beef jerky and uh, licorice. Okay, yeah. So I mean, it's supposed to be you know, it's obviously not the shredded up yeah skull type stuff yeah. that we know nowadays or whatever. Well, I thought. Like you know, because at the end they say you know Bertram is basically disappeared and they never see him again. That well, and that's yeah, yeah. So, uh, what do they say? Um, Bertram. Well, Bertram got really into the '60s, and no one ever saw him again. It was like kind of creepy because like he just turned into a teenager. And I'm sure they all moved away and did different things. You know, so yeah. Smalls and Benny are the only ones that kind of stayed in contact. Yeah. But obviously, yeah. the, the fact that he just disappeared. Well, I, you know, I wanted, it all started with tobacco. Yeah, and I automatically <laughs> got into all, yeah, got into drugs the 60s. and all that. Got into That's the all 60s. they said. He got into the sixties. Got really into the sixties, and nobody ever saw him. Again. If they would have went more into detail about him, then instead of being on uh, a Disney Channel, it probably would have ended up on Criminal Minds or something. <laughs> or we saw him in the Forrest Gump movie. He was in yeah. there somewhere, yeah. just one of those side characters. That, yep, there's Bertram right yeah. over there disappearing. <laughs> that would have been kind of awesome to carry Bertram throughout all Disney movies from here on forth. Yeah, just... just here on forth. Just have different characters play him at different parts yes, of his life. Yes, Just, like, finally, at the end, like, Bertram's had a crazy and life. And then he comes out and at the end of, it, like, an Avengers movie saying that he was a watcher. That's what we should yeah. do. We should have our fans start looking at Disney movies and figure out who could be Bertram in each yes, one. Correct. Have him progressively get yes, older. Yes, Starting out in the 60s. Then him being a watcher eventually through the Marvel films. That'd be hilarious. Because yeah, that's what watchers do. Yeah. Like Stanley or whatever. Or one of those ball guys from Fringe. I didn't get into that much. I only watched like I only watched the first season of It's one of the of greatest Fringe. TV shows of all People time. Keep telling me. So anyways, they put the tobacco in and they throw up all over the place. And it's all over the ride. They said it was like oatmeal with uh, and they did it with a uh, what was it a water gun like a, a fish gun or something like that, it. It but it was like a lot water- like peanut butter and yeah and a bunch and, of other stuff and then they just sprayed it and they said that and they did actually hit had like some Fruit Loops on his yeah. shirt afterwards and then they apparently did hit a few people a few people got hit with the fake puke that's hilarious um, so basically uh, one day Benny hits the the their baseball and he knocks the cover off he hits it so hard he knocks the cover off. Um, Small's like, I got a, I got a ball, and they're like, Oh, okay, cool. So they, he brings the the ball from the the trophy room that's signed by. How, how would those guys not see it? Like in the in their hands, but you not know? that. Yeah, I wondered that too. I was like, you know, how do you just not like look at it? Or because any of those other persons besides Smalls, they would have been like that. Would have sent them <laughs> a, said Babe Ruth. They would have been like, Excuse me, what? They're like, Everybody, stop! I gotta. Yeah. Carefully take this back to the house, but I mean, I'm gonna spank Smalls. But it shows for this. Smalls yeah. was pretty stupid too, because you're taking a ball that has no. A he's signature not stupid. He's not stupid because well, the, oblivious the, of the toys, yeah, of sports and athletic of things. what it means yes. and all that kind of stuff. But he take. Uh, but seriously, if you had any kind of level of intelligence, you go into a trophy room and you take a ball that has somebody that signed on it. Would you go play baseball? Well, Well, maybe at that age you might. I'm a true believer of you can be somebody that um, 
that can be a genius but have zero street smarts you know or common sense either yeah. one either, they both mean the same thing common sense and street smarts is pretty much the same thing you can be a genius like like for instance sheldon on big bang theory he's a genius he has just no common sense yeah like nothing nothing he does really makes any sense uh outside of science you know what i mean and so you could be the smartest person in the room but also be a complete idiot when it comes to com- common sense you know what i mean and right. so i think that's that's what smalls was he was very smart but he had zero zero sense of what kind of um sense the world made yeah you know and and, and the way that kids should be and and whatnot because i mean i don't know about you but the life that they're having during the summertime is what i want what I wanted for myself when, and with, for our kids and for our kids, you know, like I want my kids to, to have a love like that, you know, with, with, with and sports I'd love to and be able to go and, let them run with their friends and yeah. go off and do the yeah. things and not have to worry about that. But you can't do that. You know, nowadays. that's one thing I watched it with my son and your son yeah. last night and they both, uh, I can't remember which one. I think it was Henry, but, um, they were asking me like, um, saying something like oh you know you you probably wouldn't let us run off like that would you <laughs> and i was like you can't do that nowadays yeah. you just can't yeah. you know with this as many of terrible things that's going on in this world back then back in the day it was different a different time you know yeah yeah so um hey where do you get big big headed glasses for big headed people I don't know, but I think hours are always going like this. I know. Because I know. So. I'm going to be going to the eye doctor soon. You know, yes, I'm getting older. So just get some laser I do have surgery. to. Yeah, well, no, nothing. Just like I won't get that other kind of surgery that makes you not have kids no more. I don't want anything that close to my eyes. Either. I don't either, but that's why I do it like one at a time. Like do this one, blind. make sure I don't get blind in this eye, and then I'll let you do this eye so I can at least have <laughs> one good working eye. Yeah. So that's why I want to be like, let me go do LASIK on one eye, go home, let it heal for a week yeah. or two. Still got my vision. Okay, then now you can do the other eye. Yeah. That way at least I got one good working eye whatever, but it only takes like 10 minutes and it's relatively painless. Yeah, but I, again... I'm not that blind. Six thousand dollars, but then yeah. it's relatively painless and quick. I'm so. not. I'm not that blind, but now I realize, like when I start reading stuff, I'm like, okay, that's what it means to be blurry. You know, when I put on these like these little tacky, ten dollar reading glasses or whatever, so I can read. Like for, far away, I can see perfectly fine. It's just closer up. The the older I get, yeah, the harder sighted. it is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so basically, Smalls gets his first home run off that Babe Ruth ball. There's some luck to it. But any luck is taken out as well, he remember, sends it flying over the fence into the beast's paw. You, you got to f- remember, this is an important part of the film, too, because this is kind of like the catalyst of the film, right? This is the beginning of the end problem that yes, they have to yes. deal with. So with the baseball getting blown out like that, they looked at it as being an omen, you know, a... Uh, uh, they didn't. They weren't sure if it was a good or a bad. It was really omen hard to explain to the boys what an omen was. I don't know why I had to work so hard to explain yeah, it, but it, it did that. take me quite a few minutes to explain that. Yeah, but it, it was just it was the catalyst. You know, with that that baseball getting tore up like that, that's what started it all. And 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 you know, it. it you just think that yeah, he got a home run off of it, but man, why would you take that baseball off the thing? Off the, the, the trophy and, and bring it, you know, no matter, no matter, even if it wasn't like you didn't know who Babe Ruth was, why would you go up in there and you can obviously see that he's got it. And like you were saying earlier, that's why you like, he didn't, you didn't think he was that stu- or he's, he is obviously that stupid if he can think, okay, this baseball sitting up on this trophy, maybe I shouldn't 
mess with it. That's but, what I'm saying. And it should just be kind of like kind of common sense. Yeah. There. Especially showing how carefully his stepdad was handling all that yeah. stuff at the beginning. Yeah. But um, so, anyways, they make a bunch of attempts with different poles and and suction deals and they you know through the clubhouse or whatever they make all kinds of and we kind of really passed this but they did have a sleepover in the uh the the tree house and that's where we get our famous first line when he's trying to when ham is trying to give uh, there's so smalls, many of them in this movie the s'mores yeah and he's like you're killing me smalls <laughs> when he keeps saying no why would i want I, I can't have some more of something i haven't had it yet yeah and he's like he's trying literally to has no clue what so he's this talking kid about has never had s'mores before or whatever yeah. so anyways that's the very first line you're killing me smalls yes if you've heard that line that's where this is the movie that comes from and it's said a quite a couple more times in the movie but that's the first time is during the s'mores part but um they make a bunch of different devices and it doesn't work um and so this is what I thought was really cool is that the end climax of the heroic thing that needs to be done isn't done by the main character. No. It's done by Benny because no. he's kind of yeah. the more the hero. And Benny's always been the hero of the group, whereas Smalls, who the story is being told from, it's his coming of age and, you know, being able to, through his friends and the heroic actions of his, what ends up being his best friend. Yeah. I mean, really, really with the stuff with the, the his dad is really the only thing that was personalized in this story. Okay. So to, well, I mean, to, to the narrator to the rest of the right, right. as well. But you know, it was telling a lot of Squint's story. It was telling some of ha- a little bit of ham story. Exactly. It was telling a little bit of everybody's story, a lot of Benny's story, you know? So it was almost like just told yeah, through the lens yeah, of Smalls, was, which, which, you know, he had a little bit of his story, you know, it wasn't all about Smalls, you know what I mean? It, and half the time we didn't even see Smalls. And he had to narrate it because what did he end up doing when he was older? He narrated baseball games, yeah, you know, exactly. he became an announcer yeah. and everything. So th- he's almost, like they're uh they're they're dustin from stranger things Correct. and their party he's the one that you know has the records yeah, of there's everything. so many tropes in in stranger things it's it insane is. so it's he goes yeah benny goes to sleep that night uh after they try a bunch of different things and he has a, a dream about babe ruth and he basically just tells benny why don't you just go get it yourself you know he tells him heroes get remembered but legends never die follow your heart kid and you'll never go wrong but he basically just says we'll just go get it yourself and he goes, you want me to pickle the beast? And now this is a weird thing throughout the whole yeah. thing, you know. Yeah, obviously it's just weird verbiage. Pickle the way the they, beast. they you got to pickle the beast. Now what pickling I figured out is because uh, they showed how Benny would pickle. Yeah, uh, it's basically him going from third base to home. You know how you go back and yeah. forth between the, yeah. the, 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 the them throwing and everything. Right. That's basically what he was going to go do to the beast is quickly run back there, grab it, and then head back, you know, going back, you know, using those moves. Not going through him, but going away from him, right. basically. It did show slow motion in the movie, him doing the pickling between third place and home. Yeah. And I actually I, I made a, a, a note about that, and it's just that um, – what, what did I – oh, it, it focuses on Benny's moves and how they're already perfect. How he's already yeah. perfect at this, so you know more foreshadowing. And well, I mean, the guy can literally hit the baseball into the outfield, into somebody's glove, that accurately. Yeah, you know, I mean, so we already know that he know he. It's just baseball is his life. You yeah, know? and when they were trying to get the dog, wasn't wasn't Squints in charge of looking for the dog? Why is it yeah. like we almost got it, and suddenly the dog comes out of nowhere and stops them? And it's like Squints. It was your job to tell them that the job the dog was coming. And 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 you know. They should have used the pan on the stick first, right, as, as their first okay. attempt. 
because then and and not going in slowly you know like squints would have been like okay you're above it put the pan down and drag it out as fast as possible no they put the pan down let it sit there for quite a while again this is a rachel moment um sit on it quite a while just to wait for the creature to step on it yeah and you're sitting there like you could already had that ball a long time ago, or or or, or when Yaya was up, uh, when he was lowered down, he had the ball in his hand. Why would he drop it? Like, if anything, you're you're going to go into the, uh, the fetal honest, position. If I saw that thing too, I'd probably right, right. But you're going to automatically go into the fetal position. No, you're going to go like this, grab the ball, come up with it halfway, and then drop it, and then go into the fetal position. No, yeah. you're just going to automatically go in that fetal position. Yeah. So Benny comes back the next day, and he's like, he got some brand new shoes, but they're really just new ones of the old yeah. ones that he had. The the good old PF flyers, as mm-hmm. they called them. Um, so he goes over the fence and pickles the beast basically to retrieve the ball. So he gets in there, and the, there's a standoff between Benny and the dog, and the balls are right in the middle. Benny takes off, grabs the ball, immediately stops, goes back the other way, leaps the fence, and who's right after him? The dog. Mm-hmm. And this is like the the buildup of the entire movie is the chase, mm-hmm. the dog chase. Benny runs basically all over town yeah. without ever stopping. The, the The kids, they they run like, you know, 100 feet and then they get tired and stop and then they take a shortcut this way. Benny yeah. has not stopped since he was started mm-hmm. running from that dog. You know, so he ch- chases him through town. He's trying to, you know, take it through barbecues to get it to stop. That dog wants its ball back. It does. Yeah, so it's obsessed with balls, and that's its entire focus. It runs through food, uh-huh. all this other kind of stuff, just to get the ball back. Correct. So, uh, basically, the, he comes back to the sandlock, jumps into Mr. Marlowe's yard, and the beast crashes through the fence, but the fence falls on the dog. Right. It's a very sad far- part for you. It is, and then the fact that, you know, Smalls and Benny, you know, Smalls originally is trying to lift up the the fence. Well, first of all, I think they wanted to either run or they wanted, they could, they talking about killing the dog or yeah. something. And instead of doing that, Smalls just goes up there and starts trying to pick up the fence. Benny helps him, and the dog licks him, and, you know, which is crazy. Because, yeah, which is crazy because, you know, like, these kids, these other kids besides Smalls kind of grew up with this dog. You know, being on their favorite sandlot. Like, I'm sure this was not the first summer that they were like this. They were probably like this during the whole school year and then the summer before that, before even Small showed up. You know, so they dealt with with Hercules, which we find out is the dog's name. Um, we find out that, that uh, you know, they've been dealing with him for a long time. Smalls has not. You know, so kind of Smalls is probably the least hesitant person it's not saying that he was the most gentle but he was at least the least hesitant probably because he never grew up with but it was hercules be- it was because of him that the whole um shadow of yeah. you know the ominous dog mm-hmm. and the ominous man got yep. brought down for all of them and it's really the, the moment that they all kind of grew up it was getting yeah. past this point mm-hmm. you know they they the uh the the dog licks the face for gratitude and you find out okay well this dog just wanted the ball yeah it's not eating anybody yeah all it wanted the ball now we got all these kids here the fence is down yep. the dog's not doing anything and then that's when they start hitting squint yeah, well, well they after, find out from the old yeah, man. So they go yeah. to Mr. Myrtle's backyard, so the dog got out, and he's like, oh, why don't you just tell me? I would have gotten it for you. Yeah. And then they all start hitting Squint, because he's <laughs> the one that said, no, he'll he'll kill kids, too. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know. And but it, there's always somebody, in, especially in these small towns, there's always this story of the old man or the old lady or the old couple that live on the corner of the street in the house that's, like, broken down, dark dogs you know there's always a story about these older people 
and these older characters and then we find out that it's it's basically the age old uh story about this particular situation but just different people every time yeah you know what i mean like like uh what was it in it it had the same story uh you know uh the don't breathe movies they actually went into that house and mm-hmm. robbed no i know what man. you're talking about back then though you have like oh it's the the and it's usually in kids movies right right the ominous scary person that yes. ends up not being so scary yeah uh, this i think just does it monster so much, squad so much better than yeah. some of the other ones you know home alone the 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 movie is uh how do i want to say this you know, the movie's about a group of kids and their mutual love of something communal. Right. You know, right. being baseball. And how that affects and brings together their friendship. And, and But this could be anything. It could be baseball. It could be uh, D&D. It could be anything. Yeah. Something communal where you're coming together. Mm-hmm. It just happens to speak through the lens of baseball and Babe Ruth in yeah. this movie. Um, the actual coming of age part is actually shown in this. The Beast, as you would think as a kid... Now that you've come a come of age, yeah, is just a ball loving dog, you know. The who, who literally scary, will just sit out there and watch you play baseball at at, at the end, which is probably <laughs> yeah. what he was doing, you yeah. know. And the scary neighborhood recluse is a no nonsense but kind man yeah. who has a connection to their shared obsession, being yeah. Babe Ruth, baseball, or whatever. The new stepdad, scary and uninterested at the beginning, yeah. becomes more when they understand each other. Right. And he tells him, you know, it's like, hey, we'll pr- try that uh, the catch thing when I get back, you know. Yeah. So it showed that, you know, with all those different things and many others, that this is truly a coming-of-age story. It's using baseball, but it's showing how the scary things, once you, once you, you know, pay attention more or whatever, once yeah. you um, get past the... Uh, what do you want to say? You know, that, that wall of make-believe or whatever yeah. it is as a kid that you want to amp everything up, you find that it's really just a bunch of innocence and, and you're making a whole lot of things out, uh, out of nothing. Well, did you have any issues with this movie? Like something that wouldn't didn't really essentially make sense to you? Well, and real quick, that's why I say the antagonist is coming of age because it's scary, but once it once they, once they passed it, they... they discovered that these threats are not so threatening um so i'm not a baseball fan but you know that's how i connect with others yeah but what were you saying what were you asking well me? like did you have any certain issues in particular about this movie um i had one glaring one and i think like for instance i thought it was weird that we didn't have like more of a climax but yeah or, or essentially worked, several different climaxes way. on yeah. this movie but it was like the thing that didn't make sense to me is that yes, he got a better baseball. His stepdad got a better baseball. You know, I mean, you know, Lou Gehrig and all these other guys on on this baseball. Yeah, eventually, which, which, the, the, like the, eighty the, the times, old guy the trades the the chewed up ball for a, for a ball that was signed by everybody on Baby's yes. team. And the stepdad was a little irritated and grounded Smalls, but he was pretty happy to get the whole death row. Uh, yeah, uh, to see. Uh, team signed on which is cool and all but it's like he really it kind of seemed like he liked that other baseball because that was from his dad dad. yeah you know something that was handed down and he he obviously grounded him for that and everything but the fact that he didn't go off and thought okay well this this other ball was given to me by my new kid by this kid yeah and now it's something that we can bond over like i bonded with my dad over and that i could eventually pass down to well maybe it was some sort of linchpin for him too to to kind of 
instead of dwelling in the past, you know, to, to dwell more in the future and in the, the father the or small, uh, the father. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of like a way to, cause it kind of seemed like he, he would spend a lot of time in there by himself yeah. and probably, you know, missing his dad or something like that, you know, and, and then, he didn't know how to connect with smalls no. cause smalls didn't know anything about baseball right. and couldn't play it. And, to, and then we end up finding smalls grows up literally his whole life is baseball. Yeah. You know? So, you know, it basically you find out you know that um he, he trades the ball and lets him have that that murder's row ball and um just ask them to visit him every week and talk baseball with him and of course they're that, like yes <laughs> that has to be what brings what keeps benny and yeah. smalls together this yeah. is what i was talking about at the beginning is that the reason they both stuck with it for so long mm-hmm. and the reason that um especially smalls because you know benny was already going to stick with it yeah first of all the the this guy's character you know he must have had some probably connections Mm -hmm. that might have helped benny in the future yeah they're talking baseball smalls doesn't know anything about baseball but he's an announcer when he grows up and everybody else you need to know almost more than even baseball players know to do that job yeah and you understand that he said come by every week and talk baseball yeah that's how he learned to do that to be an announcer Mm -hmm. to learn all about baseball is because he had to describe to a blind man what was going on in the game yeah you know so true so if you look at it that deeply yeah i get that the guy was blind and he's like come talk to me about baseball so in and and you know telling this blind guy what's what's going on in the baseball game yeah. it teaches smalls how to talk about baseball in a mm-hmm. way where you're trying to convey that like they used to do on the radio when you can't yeah. watch what's going on so and it probably kept benny and and smalls together for that part but um the only thing other thing i had to say about this was that the uh the a sad part that people might not think of is to become a pro like he did Benny probably would have eventually had to join one of those snobby teams that they hated mm-hmm. so much, you know, yeah. one of the little league to up his game because yeah. you can only play with the Sandlot people so many times. You got to yeah. start playing with other little league teams and everything. So, well, didn't it show him actually in a uniform as a kid before he left? I want to say it did, but I mean, I could be just imagining that. Yeah. You know? No, I, I didn't see him. In, I don't remember seeing him in an, in an outfit or anything, but, um, but like I was saying, he would have had to join one of those teams to up his game. And in addition to that, those on the Sandlot team probably would never commit to a league, like a little yeah. league team, because yeah. they just like doing what they're doing. And so that probably helped it's to the never ending game separated yeah. them from Benny. Yeah. And, you know, eventually they all moved away. And everything. Well, they looked at it. It was the never ending game for them. Right. Like where literally nobody really, nobody uh, was really. On a, there was no teams. It was just a constant game going constantly, you know, and, and, you know, probably taking turns batting, of course, you know, but it just kind of seemed like Benny was mainly the only one batting, you know. I mean, the rest of them did bat, but it was like, you know, a constant game. And that was that was the most entertaining part of this film, yeah. I think. Yeah, I just thought it was real sad thinking about how Benny, the one that they looked up to, eventually would have had to join one of yeah. those teams and uh, stop playing with them as much mm-hmm. and everything. But, um, you know, this only has like six, 64%, which is like 6.1 mm-hmm. out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes and everything. So it didn't really get a crazy good score. Um, you know, Ebert talked about how it was a summertime version of Christmas, uh, Christmas Story. Yeah, uh, which makes sense and everything, yeah. but you would think that as as legendary as this movie is, and how many 
lines that came that quoted from this movie. Um, it just wasn't as popular when it first came out. This is one of those ones that, uh, much like um, certain other movies, that became more popular, like Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Wasn't as popular until it was on VHS for rewatchability when people started renting it. And we also know that Siskel and Ebert weren't as good at their job were they pioneers? Yes. Were they as good at, <laughs> good at their job as they think that they were and everybody tried to make them? No, they were not. Because, again, an opinion is not a fact. Yeah. You see that the vast majority of people that watch this movie love this movie. Where, you know, they always seem to do that with well, all They were mainstream movies. critics. Well, that's what I don't like about it. I'm on the same page with you. You know, mainstream critics, which means they were very, very extremely judgmental for movies making it to the mainstream audience, yeah. which was we call them popcorn eaters. So you yeah. have to do that. But every movie has some kind of merit. I, I would hate my life in that sense. If I always uh, just try judge, to find the negative Yes, stuff. Uh, on, on people, on their movies, like to do that to a movie would just, it would just break me up. I, I would, those people like, it just seemed like they didn't have the love yeah. of the movies that a lot of us I do. I do have to say, I don't think I'd be able to do it. That's why we only try to only talk about movies that we like here so we don't spend an hour yeah. and a half bashing other movies or whatever but uh i really enjoyed this movie uh wasn't as connected with it uh as you were i don't think as when yeah. we were younger but um i still had enough connection with the the coming of age story mm -hmm. aspect of it the yeah. the hero of benny aspect of it and everything and hopefully mm -hmm. we get to see that actor come together for more um, reunions and everything so uh yeah. you like this movie what was your oh. favorite scene uh i mean most of the stuff with I, I think when they met James Earl Jones and the, you're seeing that baseball history behind him yeah was just I think that was probably my favorite part okay so yeah and, and when the dog licked him I, I was a fan of I was a fan of Wendy and everything but wow. uh, <laughs> but I think I think to put your put your glove up in the air and I'll do the rest yeah. I mean that's gotta be an awesome right just an awesome we, we see her again in Scream, which is very ironic because she still yeah. looks like the same age back in 93 as she does in yeah. Scream. Have you seen in my opinion, she seriously has not aged. Have you seen the new, new one? The newest Scream? Yes. Okay, she was in the last Scream as well. Yeah. You've seen the new Scream? Yes. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at the Post Credit Podcast, except for Twitter, we're at the Post Credit. Our email address is the Post Credit Podcast at gmail.com. We have a website, it's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com, and we're on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. And you're killing me, Smalls. Smalls.